Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Off the Record with Paul Hodes here on WKXLAM and FM, streaming live over the internet and brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living facility designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour, celebrate life at the Birches, call 224-9111, and we are coming to you today from our portable studio at the Birches. I'm joined by Chris Ryan. Later, I'll be talking with Chuck Crush, uh, the director of the Birches, um, about the place we are in and uh, what it means for those who live here. Well, Chris, it's been another interesting week in the news. I mean, just this morning at 3 a.m., there's a big announcement with a great production and fanfare. Donald Trump, everything showered with gold, brings home prisoners from North Korea. That is great news for the prisoners. And unbelievably, as I said on a recent show, I'll eat grilled crow. If Nobel Peace Prize. If, if, if the Carrot Top Cantaloupe is really able to produce it. peace it. with North Korea. So uh, while things uh, are looking a little bit rosier on the Pyongyang Peninsula, maybe we'll see Little Rocket Man and the Carrot Top Cantaloupe joining their little hands in a salute of friendship as they uh, put... Bury the hatchet, so to speak, or the nuclear weapons or whatever can be accomplished. But meanwhile, Donald Trump has announced that he's pulling out of the Iran deal. Now, the deal with Iran was an interesting deal. It was years in the making. It was supported by our European allies, France and Germany. It was supported by Russia and China. It was a big, important deal. And by all accounts, I Just like you. Big deal. Okay, yeah. we're talking big deal. You know, Chris Ryan, he just he's just trying to set me off. Just <laughs> he's just trying to set me <laughs> off on another rant of some sort. Yeah. But before we get to the rant, so the Iran deal actually... Uh, does that throw you off your, your thought stream? Because if it does, I'll do it more often. It does throw me. It completely <laughs> yeah, throws no me for a total loop. I have no, no idea what you're going to say. So I'm going back to the Iran deal. <laughs> so the Iran deal was a pretty good yeah. deal because Iran was complying with it. Now, they're bad actors in the world. We know that, and we knew that anyway. Bad dudes doing bad, bad things. Bad dudes doing bad things, but, you know, you don't make big deals about not to going after nuclear weapons with good guys. You go after the bad guys, and we've been having a real problem with them for many many years after all we you know we installed the shah and all, all, all of those things so they don't like us in fact 
after Trump pulled out of the deal, they burned an American flag on the floor of the Iranian parliament. Now, that'll, that'll show you how they're feeling. Actually, the big winners... Uh, the big winners here are the Iran hardliners who now... Did they take proper, like, precautions when they did that? Or do they, like... I wouldn't want to, like, just burn something, like, in this room. Well, like, we have a fire extinguisher right, <laughs> right, right, really? right here under the dais. We have fire extinguishers. Unlike Trump Tower, we keep fire protection very, very close. <laughs> you know, his, his, yeah. his large, his large uh, his skyscraper building, they have no fire protection. But we do here in the parliament. So when we burn the flag of the United States, we have fire extinguisher nearby. In fact, right. there is an entire Iranian fire department ready to come right. in if the carpets catch on fire because these are beautiful beautiful right. iranian carpets like we don't want to burn the flag on the carpets maybe we put down plastic or something i don't want to make light of burning the american flag because i i do feel like it's that's a it's a, an insult. A big deal it's a huge insult but like i just can't imagine you know just deciding like, like this newspaper that you have in front of you here like, i can't imagine that all of a sudden i'm gonna decide i'm gonna burn this newspaper then what well, like, I, that's crazy to start but, burning something in the parliament. Well, you know, it's a display of emotion. Uh, it's not something we generally do. They do. Like lay down, do they, like, lay down, like, plastic? To, I or? will tell you, when I was a congressman, yeah. no matter how much I disagreed with something, I never burned the flag of the opposing party. That was just not the thing I'd do. But the Iranians took it a little differently. But the winners here are the Iranian hardliners who are saying, see, the U.S. can't be trusted. And in fact, the U.S. Yeah. can't be trusted. Israel and Saudi Arabia were pushing for this. So I guess their winners, the losers, are the planet and the American people. But, you know, what are you going to do? Um, meanwhile, the CIA pick who oversaw a torture site now says torture doesn't work. That's interesting and intriguing. And then there's Michael, Russian oligarch Cohen. You know, Mike Cohen, he's just a lawyer. He happens to have about seven different offices. Some of those offices happen to be with Russian taxi companies because it is the Russian mob, as we all know, that controls the medallion business now in New York. And he married... What is the medallion? What is the, I don't even okay, know what that is. The what medallion. Take me through this. So I don't let me know, take you've you done through. this. This is like the third time okay. you've mentioned the medallion thing, and it's really The New York me. medallion business. Here's how it is. It's basically controlled by the Russian mob these days, but the New York medallion business is if you wanna if you wanna drive a taxi in New York. Okay. And I was just down there in the city and I got in a yellow cab got and it. all of that. Yeah. Every taxi has a medallion. And those it. medallions What is a medallion? A medallion is is basically a permit. It's your uh, license. It's a permit. So how do you to get your so how do you get your medallion? You gotta pay a lot of money. So you they pay cost, in they cost a lot of money. So if I want to be a taxi driver, I gotta pay in to hundreds somebody. of thousands of dollars a borrower to drive on somebody else's medallion. Are you serious? Yeah, it's a really expensive thing. Why would they do that? Well, I don't You know, that cost is going down because we got an Uber, we got a Lyft, we got all these things that are competing now with taxis. The taxi business isn't what it used to, which is why, by the way, Michael Cohen had to turn to others. Like, okay, get this. The Novartis company, a big drug Whose company. Whose voice are you right now? Um, this is, is just a random me, New folks. York guy? Or? It's a random, oh, random New York okay. guy. But... You Very know, confused. I could be. Here's who I could be. Who? I could be. I went to PT the other day for my shoulder. Physical therapy? And physical therapy. Yeah. And the physical therapist is teaching me how to use the shoulder properly. We're still in the New York says, accent. She says, I'm, I know, I'm getting there. Okay. So she says, you got to lock your scapula. So I said, 
That's who I am. I'm Paulie the Scapula. Paulie the Scapula. You know, I'm a member of the Trumpelato family, and he works <laughs> with the Giuliani family. Yeah. And you want something, something you know, it's because I know how to use a scapula. You send me out to do a job, I use a scapula on you. You know, yeah, it's my signature. What's Rudy Giuliani's play here? Rudy, Rudy Giuliani was at the, was, was at the ball he game. Here? He was at the ball game last night yeah. looking grumpy right behind home plate. Why he should look grumpy? When the New York Yankees beat the Red Sox last night, uh, I, I have no idea. But that's Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani's making a comeback, people. He wanted all kinds of positions in the Trump so cabinet. So you think it's he's doing this just for the pursuit of the spotlight again? Oh, yeah. Rudy, Rudy outside the spotlight, Rudy looks even worse than he looks in the spotlight. And that is really, really bad. You know, Rudy Giuliani is the only politician when I was running for Congress who tried dirty tricks on me. On you? Did I ever tell you this story? I'm ready. So here's the story. We're campaigning for Congress. He must have found out that once upon a time when I was a little tyke, just a wee tyke in shorts and sandals, growing up on the streets of New York City, Rudy must the mean have, streets of Central Park West. The mean streets of Central Park West. <laughs> Rudy, Rudy must have found out. <laughs> the mean streets. You know, it's near yeah. Strawberry Fields, right <laughs> yeah. where I grew up. Yeah. Okay. Let me take you down because I'm going to. <laughs> so anyway, Rudy Giuliani finds yeah. out I'm from New York, and he lands on the tarmac, and he's doing a and he's doing a um, a uh, tarmac interview with my opponent. And they're going on and on and on. And then Rudy drops the worst insulting bomb that anybody could ever say. I mean, dirty, dirty politics. He said, that Hodes is probably a New York Yankees fan. Can you imagine? It's terrible. It was terrible. I mean, it was, it, it, it tore my heart. It tore my heart open. I mean, it, it was an open wound for the rest of the campaign. And still to this day, it was an effective, effective wounding blow to me because I am a Red Sox fan. Now. I, I am a Red Sox fan. Were you always a Red Sox fan? I will admit that when I was 10 years old and I saw Roger Maris hit his 60th home run sitting on the first baseline in Yankee Stadium, watching that first one he hit go foul, and then watching him pilaster. Against the Red Sox. I don't remember who it he was. No, maybe it wasn't. No, I don't know it was against the Red Sox. But I watched Tigers. Roger Maris hit his 60th home run. At that point, I was a Yankees fan. But then I was done because that was the ultimate. Done. That was ultimate. And, and I gave up baseball. Gave it up. That until Walked I away. moved to Boston when I went to law school. And yeah. then I adopted the Red Sox with full-throated passion. So Rudy Giuliani's play is is an insulting play. I mean, that's the kind of mind he's got. He's going to go after a congressional candidate because of his baseball affiliations. That's the kind of guy Rudy Giuliani is. But Rudy can't I like keep, it. I Ru- like it. Rudy can't keep his mouth shut. No. It's part part of the problem. He'll he'll say he'll say anything. But back to Michael Cohen. So what about the president's personal attorney representing him on all kinds of matters, including money laundering, including grifting, including this, that, and the other thing, you know? I mean, it seems like he handled 
all of uh, the Donald's transactions with Russian oligarchs and the Russian mob. But now legitimate companies, Trump, Trump gets to be president, but now legitimate companies come to call. AT&T and Novartis. Novartis is a giant pharmaceutical company, paid him something like $1.3 million to provide insight into healthcare. Michael Cohen's not a registered lobbyist, but he happens to know a very important person. That important person happens to be the president of the United States. Something's going on here. Is people. that illegal, though? It's not illegal. No. Except if he's a lobbyist and he's lobbying, and it depends on how much he's doing, and you got to be registered to lobby. So if you're talking to the president who's your client and your buddy, and you're lobbying him on behalf of Novartis, but you're not a registered lobbyist, is that a problem? It is if someone is willing to say that that was what took place, or right. if there's who any sort of finan- if so any sort knows? of if there's any who sort knows? of written uh, you know documentation of such. Who knows? Who knows what we're going to say? And then of course there was AT and T. AT and T wanted to buy his services for insight into the president. They were paying for insight to the president's personal lawyer. Now, it's a very very curious thing if he's still representing the president uh, on personal matters in the president's business and he's being paid for insight into his client there's at least an ethical obligation of confidentiality about your client that's going by the wayside plus basically it's influence peddling it's pay for play because the only reason these people were hiring michael cohen was to get to the president what else could there be and then of course there's the russian oligarch the Russian oligarch who happened to pay $500,000 in rubles. It's many, 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 many more rubles. But he makes $500,000 just happened to be at the time when Stormy, the Storm Daniels. You know, there's a storm coming, baby Daniels. Uh, if you saw that great classic performance of hers, which I happened to see because I was paying Michael Cohen the money. So I keep track and I see Stormy on SNL and Stormy says, there is a storm coming, baby. You know who Stormy is talking to. So I give my coin the money because we got to pay off Stormy Daniels and, pr- and protect our friend Donald Trompolata because, as you know, Polly DiScapulo, who's also a friend of ours, yeah, has told us yeah. that he, the Trompolata family, the Giuliani family, they're all added together. We had to pay to keep Stormy quiet because Stormy, she talks. She's a looker. She talks, you know. People look, they listen, and now we got all <laughs> kinds of trouble with Stormy. She's now, you know, going legit. She was an adult <laughs> film actress and now all of a sudden she's on talk shows she's on SNL she's winking she's blinking and all of a sudden everybody's looking at Stormy my friend my friend Donald is very worried very worried even though so I pay I pay Michael Cohen the money so here's the thing though Um, in order for in order for any of this to matter in terms of the context of an investigation um, there has to be I mean there could be Russian oligarchs giving money here and there and, and everywhere but um, unless there's a reason and a laid out reason and rationale for that taking place, if X is given, Y is going to take place, it's very difficult to prove that. And Donald Trump has, you know, for the course of many, many years, dealt with Russian business individuals. And those individuals have kept his company um, afloat during difficult financial circumstances, particularly in regards to Atlantic City. Um, and that's where Cohen comes in. That's where Jared Kushner comes in. That's where 
Donald Trump Jr. comes in, and that's where Paul Manafort comes in. If these individuals uh, know about reasoning and rationale for money being given and there being a, uh, a, a uh, definable purpose and are willing to discuss that, that's where this investigation moves. Um, but you know, to this point, uh, I don't think that, uh, that, uh, that Mueller has that. Circumstantial evidence is pretty powerful. So we know a lifetime of connection to Russians from Donald Trump. We see Michael Cohen, his lawyer, being his fixer for Russian matters. We know there's a meeting attended by Kushner and Manafort and Trump Jr. while Trump is present in Trump Tower with Russians talking about doing um, in interfering with our election. The special cou uh, counsel gets appointed and is looking far and wide at both the Russian business connections and the interference in our election and questioning the reasons why a president would fire an FBI direct, uh, director of FBI over the Russian thing uh, if there is nothing to hide. Donald Trump must be pretty scared, that's why he won't release his tax returns, of what his Russian connections are, how high they go, and how necessary they were to his business empire to fire the FBI director out of fear uh, about what was going to be found in the Russian thing. So right now, it's circumstantial, and right now, it's speculative, because nobody really knows how much Mueller knows, but you can bet that he knows more than almost anybody else about Donald Trump and his dealings. This is Off the Record with Paul Hodes on WKXL AM and FM, streamed live at nhtalkradio.com, archived there for your binge listening. Join our dozens of listeners binge listening to Off the Record with Paul Hodes any time of the day or night. I see those tired eyes, listening through headphones to me, those dulcet tones, and enjoying another binge session of Off the Record, brought to you by The Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living facility designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour. Celebrate life at The Birches. Call 224-9111. And we'll be back in a few moments to speak with Chuck Crush about Life at the Birches, don't go away. Welcome back. It's Off the Record with Paul Hodes here on WKXL AM and FM. Brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living facility designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour. Celebrate life at the Birches. Call 224-9111. And we're coming to you today from the Birches, uh, where we're sp sitting down with Chuck Crush, who runs the place. Chuck, welcome to Off the Record. Thank you, Paul. Glad to have you here at the Birches this morning. So what's what's your actual title? So I'm the executive director of the Birches at Concord. Uh, I've been in healthcare leadership roles for about 25 years. Uh, obviously, I'm not originally from New Hampshire. That, you know, I can I can tell Southern that. New Hampshire. I, I can I can tell that just by listening to yes, you. Yes, that yeah. you that you're uh, as they say you're from away originally. Yes, originally from Virginia. 
Virginia. So, we're, in, we're in Virginia. Was, was born in Roanoke. Uh-huh. Uh, spent most of my life there. Lived in Northern Virginia prior to moving up to to New Hampshire. It's hot down there. It is very hot down there. It yeah. feels good. The winters are great here. They're just too long. Well, the winter the winters are a nice break, but man. Yeah, uh, the heat down there is really something. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Things but, move uh, slow. I've been in New England since 2002, and have lived in Concord for the last eight years, and been at the Birches for the last four years. So I'm I'm curious how, you know, you you're you're an executive in the healthcare field. Correct. What what motivated you to get into healthcare? I mean, take me back way back when. Yeah. Did it start in high school? Did it start in college? Was it was it simply a, a job that you took and found that you loved it? I think it was twofold. Uh, my mom was a nurse, <laughs> um, nursing supervisor, the old school cap and gown, would do everything, the old school nurse. So that certainly was influencing. Uh, got a degree in social work. Uh, thought I was gonna going to be out there saving the world and kind of had that humanitarian component in my life. Um, needed a job. Uh, had an acquaintance who ran a nursing home. Needed a social worker. So part of it was I needed this job. Uh, I was right out of college. Took the job. Loved it. Uh, bounced around doing social work and sales and marketing uh, for hospitals and nursing homes. Uh, in Virginia and then decided to get my nursing home administrator's license and uh, did a year of administrative residency, became an LNA, uh, did direct care, was very involved, um, and then um, started working in healthcare administration. So, um, I, you know, I'm always curious when I, when I speak to people about their passion and their livelihoods, um, uh, I get it. I mean, I can, I, you know, now that you tell me that story, the connection with your mom as a nurse and you uh, moving into the field uh, seems pretty. pretty it's it, it's a it seems like a pretty clear path. Um, uh, moving just back for a second to the social work component of it, um, uh, you know, there are a lot of uh, folks out there who really don't necessarily know what social work involves. Why is it called social work, and what did you find? Uh, rewarding enough about it to pursue it as avidly as you did. Yeah, well, I think uh, I was raised in a very much a family that uh, believed in giving back. Uh, I was raised in a very religious family. Uh, With that said, went to college, um, started not really knowing what I wanted to do, started taking social work classes. I I liked that social work offered so many different options. You can work with children, you can work with adults, you can work with youth. You can be involved in administration and leadership. Uh, so that's what prompted me. I liked the variety of it. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I wound up working in uh, long-term care, healthcare, and hospice. Uh, but I liked when I started my career, I liked all the variety. And ironically now, I am uh, married to a social worker who is an LICSW who has a consulting business. So you put two social workers together, we process a lot. I bet. And so you've been in New Hampshire since 2002. Correct. Um, what, is, did you come to, right to the Birches? No, no. I came to run a nursing home in Peterborough, uh, moved to Keene. Uh, really just wanted a, kind of a, at a point in my life I wanted a change. Uh, had never been to New Hampshire previously. That since, must have been a shock. It, you know what? The shock was how far it was from Keene to Peterborough, Peterborough going around Dublin Lake. 
Uh, so that was, that was a shock. I that's looked on a map. I thought, oh, it's going to be like 20 minutes. It's more than 20 minutes. No, you know, you can't get there from here. Yeah, it was one of those scenarios, yeah, Paul. It, it really was. Yeah, so, yeah, and, uh, if you, and if you're traveling by sleigh, it takes even longer. It takes a lot longer. That's if right. you're driving Dublin Lake, it's a bad day. It's a long way around that little lake, and you just can't tell. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's, that's kind of how I, I moved up for a job to run a nursing home. Yeah and have run a variety of nursing homes and hospices uh, in New Hampshire and some in Massachusetts as well, uh, but have been here at the Birches for about four years. Well, you know, I, 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 live, I live just up the hill. Um, uh, you know, the Birches, believe it or not, was built after a major neighborhood battle, and the battle involved uh, the desire of a large medical practice to put a facility here with a parking lot and sodium lights and the neighborhood was galvanized back before the birches was built uh, and said you know we don't that's not the kind of uh, uh, thing we want in our neighborhood and we were actually very pleased uh, and still are really pleased when the when the birches was built because um, as you drive uh, past Pleasant Street and you drive past the birches what you see is this terrific looking large residence that it strikes you it doesn't strike you like it's um quote institution unquote it looks like a lot you know some a really a really big nicely built house or i home. think it looks like an english inn yeah like that's what i yeah, term yeah. it and we decorate for christmas my first year here i said i want the english inn theme of decorating for the holidays right right well and i mean so i'm just giving you a little perspective from the neighborhood standpoint Great. this was uh, the Birches has been a truly great neighbor uh, in in the neighborhood, and and you know it's really um, I think a great a great use of the space and beautifully done inside and out. When I um, you gave me a tour uh, a few months ago, as I recall, and I was struck by um, just how beautifully the facility is put together, how how well suited, of course, it is for its purpose. Um, how how is a place like the Birches, which is specifically designed for those with memory care issues, different from some of the other kinds of places that you have been? Yeah, and that's a great question. Well, first of all, so the Birches is licensed as an assisted living. Very different licensure, very different regulatory requirements than a skilled nursing home. Uh, so we're able to operate certainly, and look, there's some great skilled nursing homes out there, and certainly there's a need for that. Can't, can't say that enough. Our model is we are very much less institutional. It's very much a home-like environment. Uh, we are in a position to um, really, really combine hospitality and health care. So I think that's the number one difference between some of the other places. Uh, I mean, certainly, look, we have a nurse 24-7. We don't have to, by regulation, we choose to do that based on the needs of our residents. Uh, we are very much, though, I think the epitome of hospitality, customer service. As, you know, we talk a lot about the experience when you stay in a hotel as well as the experience of being in assisted living. So I think that's really the main difference. Combining hospitality and healthcare. Um, you know, I'm I'm just thinking back. Um, my wife's mom had Alzheimer's and eventually uh, took her life. And for the last uh, four years of her life, she was in um, uh, assisted a, a facility, an assisted living facility, and a memory care facility 
down in Virginia. It had a very, I have to tell you, it had a very, very different, different feel than the Birches. Um, I think they may have tried to bring the qualities that you've talked about in terms of hospitality, and hospitality suggests a kind of warmth and comfort um, for people, but they didn't quite make it, in my, in my judgment. Um, they're nice people, caring people. They did a good job, good job on the care, but they didn't quite make it. It must make an awfully big difference to the families of people who are living here and being cared for here to have the degree of warmth and, and comfort that, that pervades everything about the Birches. Well, and that is true, and, you know, I attribute it to two things to that point. We have great associates. This is the, you know, I sleep very well at night operating the Birches. There have been other places in, in prior lives where I hadn't slept so well at night, but we have a great group of people. We have a lot of longevity among our associates. They care passionately. When we hire someone new, if they don't have that values and ethics, they don't last long. So certainly I think that that is the, the number one thing. Uh, it, it goes back to the people. I'm also proud to say, to your point about the families, recently we won the Circle Award, uh, which a benchmark, our parent company, has 55 communities, uh, and they have uh, awards every year. Well, one of the awards is the Circle Award, and that award is for the highest level of customer and family satisfaction in the organization. We won that for 2017. We just received the award, the award in uh, March. We're very proud of that fact, and it, it goes back to the people. It goes back to the people that work every day. They come in when it snows. They come in at 11 at night. They're here every day, and they care passionately. We're talking with Chuck Crush, um, who is the executive director of the Birches at Concord, which is happily... Um, the uh, primary sponsor of Off the Record with Paul Hodes and the Birches at Concord is New Hampshire's uh, premier facility uh, designed specifically for those living with uh, Alzheimer's, dementia, or other memory issues. You can join a tour to find out about the Birches, uh, and it really is a place where life is celebrated. Uh, you can call 224-9111 for information. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back uh, to continue our conversation with Chuck Crush. Don't go away. Welcome back to Off the Record with Paul Hodes here on WKXL AM and FM, streaming live over the internet at nhtalkradio.com, where we are also archived for your binge listening pleasure. We're brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living facility designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. You can join a tour, celebrate life at the Birches, call 2249 and we're really pleased today because we are actually coming to you from the Birches. Uh, I'm speaking with Chuck Crush, the executive director of the Birches. We're seated, seated in, a, in a great little room with uh, terrific decorations. 
Um, the Birches, I can honestly tell you folks, is a, is a wonderful place. Um, it's a place where families know that uh, the folks who are living here are being really well taken care of in every way by a really talented, experienced, skilled, caring staff and an administration that pays attention to detail. So, Chuck, I mean, what 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 goes into managing um, and keeping a place like the Birches running as wonderfully as it runs? Well, I think I have a great group of directors that report to me. Uh, I have um, seven directors that report to me, uh, each responsible for different operational areas. And I very much let them run their business. They take care of whether it's food service. We have an excellent dining service director uh, who works very hard. We have an excellent plant operations director in charge of housekeeping and maintenance. Uh, Those are the ancillary services. We have an excellent uh, resident care director who's in charge of nursing. We have an excellent harbor care director who is responsible for programming and activities as well as the aides. And then we have a wonderful community relations director. So I think the strength is supporting that team. Uh, that's one of my number one roles, as well as, as staying in touch with the families. Mm. I really need to know what we do well. Uh, and I tell families when they move in, we're very, very good at what they do, but we're not perfect. The only way to ever improve is for them to share with me and share what they like, what they don't like. So we, uh, we have a model where I work Sunday through Thursday. Uh, half of our leadership team works that, and the other team, half works Tuesday through Saturday. The reason for that is there's always management in the building seven days a week. Mm-hmm. You, you don't come in on Saturday when you find a lot of families visiting Sunday afternoon, and you can't find a member of management. And I like that model a lot. Uh, because it allows me really to connect with families. And we have very involved families, Paul. I would say about 95 to 98% of our residents who have fa- have family members who visit at least two or three times a week. So mm. we have a lot of family involvement. That's a lot of, it's a lot of coming and, co- coming and going, but it's also a lot of familiarity it is. for the staff and the management with the families so that people really get to understand what, what are the needs, what are being met, what might uh, need to be improved. It really it strikes me, listening to you, how uh, important management is to a place like the Birches. Because um, I've visited, you know, when I was in Congress, I, I visited all kinds of places and uh, w- talked with all kinds of different managers. Uh, your approach is clearly a hands-on, uh, all-hands-on-deck, caring a- a- approach. And I have to say that just hearing you say, we're not perfect, I want to know, you know, what we're doing well and, and what we're not, is to me the hallmark of good management uh, because there's always there's always something to learn. Um, so if if um, if I if I was living here, you know I'm I'm a guy I I I I think that uh, everything revolves around your stomach. So <laughs> I care I care about food and I care about cuisine. You know when I was campaigning for Congress, my staff would joke that. 
you know, you know every restaurant in New Hampshire. You just go from restaurant to restaurant. All we have to do is take you to a restaurant, and we don't need to do anything else. You know, you're happy, and you'll talk to people, and everything everything's good. So, um, tell me what what's on the menu? How do things how do things work in the in the food service? If I was living here, what what what's on, what's at the restaurant? Yeah, and that's a great question. So we do it a little differently, uh, which is really kind of cool of any place I've ever been. Uh, first of all, I mean, we always have, you know, our residents are not, I mean, we have, we have dining times. But if someone sleeps in to 10 and that's their pattern and that's what makes them happy, guess what? They're going to get, if they want scrambled eggs and bacon at 10, it will be hot, it'll be cooked, it'll be fresh. So we cater to individual needs, first and foremost. Uh, you, you know, usually for breakfast, we always have, uh, usually we have eggs, pancakes, hot cereal, cold cereal. Coffee, coffee and tea 24-7. Uh, and then for lunch and dinner, we do what we call show plates. So we actually go around uh, and have the food on the plate uh, and show the residents, you know, do you want the lasagna or do you want the cheeseburger today? So they actually can see it because sometimes with memory loss, people may not remember what lasagna is. But if they see it, they'll remember lasagna and think, oh, that's a favorite, so I'll have the lasagna. So we do that for lunch and dinner. We always have soup and salad before, but we also have a ton of alternates. So if I don't want the lasagna or the cheeseburger and I want a BLT, I'll get a BLT. We have one resident who lives here, I think 80% of her meals are BLTs, So and that's fine. So we do a very nice job of catering uh, to individual needs. You know, we do themes at holidays. You know, we have, uh, we've had lamb. We've had prime ribs. So we have quite a full menu. We also do special textured diets uh, for those residents who have swallowing difficulties, and we make sure we present them uh, in, in, a, in a fashion that's, that's uh, appetizing, and, you know, half of, half of eating is what's the smell and, and the visual perception of it. So we work really hard at doing that. Uh, we have cookouts outside in the summer. We like to, we have a large backyard. We like to have pit nets. So last summer I went upstairs and half of our residents just kind of spontaneously were eating outside, which was great. And I think the key difference, and it goes with everything, is when you move to the birches, uh, and in my opinion, any uh, good assisted living, when you move in and if you have memory challenges, it does not mean the quality of your life ends. It does not mean you're not celebrated as a person. Nor does it mean you're giving up purpose and passion. Let me just switch topics for a moment. Since, um, I mean, I'm, I'm familiar, as I said earlier, from personal experience with uh, Alzheimer's. And um, as I understand Alzheimer's, it really, it's a diagnosis for what could, can be a cluster of conditions. Um, uh, no, not necessarily one single condition, but a number of conditions with various various markers uh, for these conditions, which you know lead to um, impairment in terms of memory and ultimately um, uh, a physical a physical decline. What's the state of play now, given how prevalent Alzheimer's seems to be in our society? Um, what's the state of play on research, and what kind of commitment uh, do you see from uh, elected representatives 
to to attack the problem, to do the research, to really spe- you know really dig in and find out what's going on. Assuming we can, I mean, if we can send uh, somebody to the moon, um, you know, fifty years ago. Uh, maybe it was more, I may be wrong, but you know, I mean, if we can send somebody to the moon, if we can create um, iPhones, certainly if we put the resources into it, we could um, make some progress on on finding out what what is going on. But uh, what's the state of play? Yeah, uh, and first of all, I would love nothing more uh, for in five, ten, five years, 10 years, for us not to need the birches. That, you know what, We've got a, a, a cure for memory issues. We have a cure for Alzheimer's. We have a cure for dementia. We have a cure for all the issues uh, and all the challenges and syndromes that, that attack memory and the brain. So a, as far as your question about the research, there's some phenomenal research going on, especially with proteins and the brain. It's all about the protein. There's a lot of research going on about with the different mod- modalities of if they uh, inject a protein and get rid of the plaque, there's a possibility that it could be could be cured through that. Uh, there's some therapeutics being developed uh, in, in clinical testing by pharmaceutical companies. So there's a lot of things going on, very positive things. It, it's such a prevalent uh disease and it's so prevalent in our society if, if I were a politician personally I'd want to put a lot of money into it because it would save a lot of money on the other end uh, we spend a lot of money in health care on uh, through Medicare through Medicaid programs on taking care of folks with memory issues I think a lot of politicians don't really understand it there are some who do lot there are some who are big advocates for funding uh, who work really hard and are very committed to that. I, I know that Congresswoman Annie McLean Custer recently visited. She wrote a book about her mom. I knew her mom really well, so um, the book is a power was is powerful. And I know Annie has been a real uh, advocate in Congress for research and the funding necessary. Um, and I'm glad she's staying staying as involved as she is. But I don't see that same focus from from others uh, who are in positions to to do something about it. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. And you're right. You know, we were privileged to have Congresswoman Custer here. She spoke candidly about her mom. Uh, her mom stayed here and lived here for a period of time a number of years ago. Uh, but at the end of the day, the neat the best thing about that visit is, you know. Concord is really a big, small town. And as she spoke, she looked out and she knew probably over half of our residents and families. And that was really neat. And it meant a lot. And she was just, you know, at that point, uh, and certainly you're correct, Congresswoman Custer has been an advocate for funding and is very committed. And I have nothing but respect for her work in that area. But, But when she came here and spoke, one of the neat things was she was a daughter of a mom with memory issues who ultimately passed away from it. Uh, and it was family-to-family conversation. And that, that was a gift uh, for the Birches and our family. And, and you are correct. There are some, some, I think, legislators, elected officials, who I wish would just come and, and visit and learn and see the impact and, and learn about quality of life, but also learn about the, the nature of the disease. And I think education is very important. Uh, we did have Senator Feltish here. Uh, I think it's been about two years now, uh, who spoke to our residents and who had a tour. So that was important. 
We're talking with Chuck Crush. Chuck, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Chuck's the executive director of the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living facility, designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, and other forms of memory impairment. You can find out more, join a tour, celebrate life at the Birches. Just call 224-9111. It's it's a really excellent, excellent place. Chuck, you're you're doing a great job. Congratulations on your Circle Award. Thank you. And uh, thanks for joining us. This is Off the Record with Paul Hodes on WKXLAM and FM. We'll be right back to wrap up after this. Don't go away. back. It's Off the Record with Paul Hodes on WKXLAM and FM, streaming live over the internet, archived at nhtalkradio.com, brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living facility designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour. Celebrate life at the Birches. Call 224-9111. Well, what a week it was. Chris Ryan and I laughed ourselves silly in the earlier segment, uh, I'm I'm fond of speaking in tongues. Let's see, I this time I was Pauli de Scapula. I uh, took a little visit as a Russian oligarch to Michael Cohen. I had to pay him five hundred thousand dollars for the pleasure, but it was totally worth it. We talked about the news of the week. Uh, and uh, hoping that uh, things work out in North Korea and a little bit concerned, to say the least, about pulling out of the deal with Iran. And we had a great discussion with our sponsor, the Birches, and its executive director, Chuck Crush, a guy who has a long history of care. Um, That's really important Uh, as a social worker, as an administrator. uh, He cares. Uh, We're coming to you from the Birches, and it's a pretty warm and wonderful place for uh, your loved ones or anyone who is facing memory issues. So we really appreciate uh, the Birches as our sponsor. It shows a lot of passion and purpose in terms of their community involvement, and uh, it's really deeply appreciated. And thanks to all our listeners. We'll be back next week with more Off the Record with Paul Hodes on WKXL AM and FM. See you then.